0: This is episode 51 with the stylish and articulate Jill Harvey Bush. Welcome to Bigger Than The Hustle podcast. My name is Bhavik Patel and each week I bring you a super interesting conversation with an inspiring entrepreneur on how they live their life outside their business and what inspires them to live life big. Thank you for taking time to spend with me today and it's time to let the positivity flow. From an early career in the airline industry and a sound engineer for the BBC, Jill left corporate and ventured into the world of training and coaching. Now a fully fledged mindset coach, becoming a master practitioner in NLP and an advanced practitioner in thought field therapy, she co-coaches with Janie Holiday on her online programs for women. Following a diagnosis of cancer, she wrote a book, Beliefs, Bing, and Me. In our talk, we discuss tapping into intuition, imposter syndrome, and knowing what you want. If you get something out of this podcast, then don't forget to hit the like button, leave a comment, and subscribe, and share it with someone you love to show you care. Now, for the one and only Jill Harvey Bush.
1: So I'm John Harvey Bush. I was born in a little place. Actually, I was born in a tropical diseases hospital, which always makes people laugh, uh, in a little place called South Petherton in Somerset. How did I end up being born there? Well, my parents had uh, emigrated to Rhodesia, as it was now Zimbabwe. Uh, My father was very ill and was told, or was, was ill and was told the drier climate would be better. Back then, so we're now talking, if I give my age away, sort of late, they were in the 50s, and uh, life was very different then. So mum needed to make sure I had a British passport and came home to have me. She had gone to the you know, pre-maternity and they suddenly realised, she said she you know, hadn't felt quite well, went home to my grandparents apparently, and then an ambulance arrived as they suddenly said, oh my goodness, you've come from Africa. And so bear in mind, this is the 50s. And they rushed her off to the local tropical diseases hospital which is exactly where I was born. So that was my entrance into the world in January in heavy snow. And nobody knew I was born because nobody had a phone. So it was always a telegram that got sent. And um, apparently nobody knew I was here for a couple of days. So that was my entrance. (laughs) And I've made up for people knowing about me since. (laughs) Uh, we, We then went back. Uh, Mum then went back, which again in those days was uh, with three young children I'm the youngest of of three girls. And mum went back on what was called the Union Council line. So it was a ship in those days. It wasn't flights. And did the whole long journey from Cape Town all the way back up to Bulawayo, where my father was. Cut forward a few years. Dad was extremely ill, came home. And uh, unfortunately, he died just before my sixth birthday. So I was then brought up on a council estate in those days, went to the local primary or junior and primary schools. And um, we basically all had to chip in because mum had to go to work full time, which again, back in those days, women tended not to think about having careers. You know, you went to school, you left school, you got married, you were the stay at home wife, mum. And so for her, this was kind of a, a big shift. In that she now had to get out to work and when my dad died then bring up the three of us so we were taught at a very young age we were a bit different so i'm never afraid of being a little bit different to other people and that meant that when my school friends were out playing i might have had to be cleaning the car it sounds horrible but it wasn't you know we had the jobs to do i learned to paint and decorate at a very early age because if it was going to get done, then we all had to chip in and do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had decided I was going to be a French teacher. So I went, we all went to the the grammar school, it was 11 plus in those days, all three of us went there. So again, mum managed to fund our school uniforms and so on. And I decided I'm going to be a French teacher. And I think that might've been following on from the fact that both my elder sisters were teachers. And in those days, if you didn't want to go to a teacher's training college or university and you were at a grammar school, it was like, there was no other, you know, there was no other <laughs> career. Um, so yeah, went off, that was my life sorted. I'm going to go off and be a French teacher. Well, I did not even a full term at (laughs) teacher training college and thought when I got there, what am I doing here? I really don't want to be a teacher. So threw everything up in the air again, went back home, went back to my old Saturday job. So working in Yeovil in a department store that was called Denner's then while I worked out what I wanted to do. So off I go again. Next job. And I ended up deciding I wanted to be a hospital administrator. So went to the local hospital, got a job, was trying to apply to get on to the administration course there and came up against a boss that did the, you really don't want to do this because you've got a serious boyfriend, you'll be getting engaged soon and this scheme means you have to travel around the country well, that wasn't going to work, was it? (laughs) Serious boyfriend and I didn't work either. And I decided time that I needed to get out of Yeovil. So threw my hat into the ring back in the 70s and thought, I want to travel. I had a language. Obviously, I spoke French uh, fairly fluently back then. And I applied to be cabin crew, or as we were called in those days, air hostesses so, little girl from Yeovil, off I went in my little neat suit. And this, I think, is really important to how we form impressions of people and what we think we should be like. So, I turned up, it was a company called Laker Airways, so groundbreaking airline of its day. It introduced the budget airline kind of system, really. Very proud to have worked for them. must say, it's one of the best jobs I've ever had. And... Got to the interview, and I remember thinking, seeing these girls with the very long finger, you know, painted fingernails and the immaculate hair and loads of makeup. Thinking, and I'm sitting there in my little three piece suit with my very neat hair done, thinking, I'm obviously in the wrong place here. This isn't going to be because they had what I had was the image that I thought you had to have, and it just proved me absolutely wrong because I got the job. And then you realize that actually, you needed more people just like me who could get stuck in. Uh, on board an aircraft. So I had a lot of fun, let's put it that way, for a few years and really enjoyed it. I was only going to do it for six months. Uh, about eight, nine, even 10 years later, uh, I'd met my husband, who was a musician, and that resulted in me moving to Derbyshire. So everything went up in the air again. And he, I'm a second wife, so he already had children from a first marriage. And I went to Derbyshire. Deciding what do I do? People then didn't want to give me a job because, oh, well, you're used to going here, there, and everywhere. You know, you won't be able to settle in an office. So I came up against that and um, decided, okay, well, if you're not going to get me a job, I'm going to do my own thing. So we started a little coffee bar called Silly Grins. I had to persuade the bank and I wanted to do it in Derby. And this was before the days of cappuccino. So we started serving cappuccino. My husband is a a man of the 60s, you know, so he remembers the coffee shops. So we started serving cappuccinos and lattes and people were like, what on earth is this, frothy coffee? And um, unfortunately, again, things changed, which meant that the business was doing really well. And then certain things happened in the town, bus routes changed, which meant people weren't coming to that area. And you rather than go, oh, I failed. Oh, okay. Well, I enjoyed doing that. There's a reason that I've done it. And off I went again to the next job. And through that, uh, that was working for a uh, in sales admin in a cardboard box factory. So I got to know Keller Parker Tonka Toys, as they were, <laughs> known. they were one of my clients. I learned a huge amount there, again, about how to deal with people and issues and customer service, but also wanted to, knew that the, I wanted to do something more. I was very interested in psychology. And it was actually my elder sister that said one day, you're reading all these books. Why don't you do a degree in it? So I thought, oh, okay, that might be interesting. And I did my degree through the Open University. So in some ways, you kind of look back and go, all those hours I wasted down route when I was cabin crew, you know, sitting in in, uh, airports and various places. I could have been studying and reading books, but um, I decided to do it the harder way. So I was now about getting married. I had three stepchildren. I was working full time. I decided to start my OU degree. Had to wait a few months, and during that time, the degree started in the February, and then I fell pregnant in about the June. So we laugh and say that my son came with me for my first exams at the end of that year, and I I studied my OU degree in psychology, and it was, you know, it was. I'm not going to say easy because it was a dedication of time. Again, you were told you could do modules, and it would take me eight years if I did one module a year. I was like, no way am I taking eight years to do this. (laughs) Always having a hanging over me. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. So I did two modules a year, and I did mine within the the four years. But that did mean dedication. When my son was in bed, I was straight down to, to study and again i chunk that down because i remember the books and often i think people have overwhelm when they see things or think of things and i remember the first big box being delivered and I me mean, looking at this box thinking i'm never going to be able to do this look at all these books and work and actually i then went do you know what i'm just going to put the box to one side and i'm going to take out what i need when i need it so as you can see that then led to deciding to go teaching So I I did pure psychology, so I have a BSc, and that allowed me, or coincidentally, the person of the local sixth form college to realize I could teach any psychology, so cognitive psychology, social psychology, uh, because mine was a BSc. So off I went and did a couple of years teaching uh, A-level and GCSE, which I thoroughly enjoyed, whole range of people, you know, people in their 60s who've never done an, an exam. So really, that's, that's a history. We then moved and I ended up back in the airline industry because unfortunately it paid me more money than being a sixth form lecturer working on check-in. Um, I then moved to another company back into the cabin crew side of things, uh, which was in those days Caledonian. We then became JMC. I got promoted. I was then into senior management, looking after at one point, I think it was about 950 crew Several bases, and I certainly learned a lot there. I eventually decided, you know, I was realizing I was getting so caught up in corporate that I wasn't spending time at home. And it was one day my son said to me, I think he was about 10 or 11, and he did it from, you know, kindness, Uh, Mum, Mummy, Daddy, and I are going for a bike ride. You won't want to come, will you, because you're too tired? And that's when I thought, right, (laughs) right time for a change. (laughs) So we were skiing and um, we'd come down, we were queuing up. And I said to my husband, he's the same musician. So um, at that point I was the main wage earner. I said to my husband as we were queuing up, oh, I'm going to resign when we get back. And he just very nicely sat on the chairlift with me. Oh, okay, fine. No problem. Uh, He's learned to go with the flow. And then we did ski as we were on the next run up. He said, any idea what you're going to do instead? I was like, no, nope, haven't got a clue. So I did. I resigned, decided um, this is going to go one of two ways. If I can make it self employed and find out what I want to do, then that's fine. And if it doesn't, I always look for a win win. If it doesn't work, that's fine. I'll just find, an, I'll go back into corporate and find a, another corporate job. So here I am, sort of 18, 19 years later, still self-employed. I then discovered coaching. It was new then, 2004. There was only one company who was doing any training. It was called the Coaching Academy. So I went and studied with them. Through that, I discovered NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, because there was a module on it. And I was fascinated about the power of language. So then thought, okay, I want to study a bit more because I'm one of those people that if something interests me or if I don't quite believe something, I think, do you know what? I'll go and study a bit more and, and make up my own mind. Um, so, yeah, I went to study with Paul McKenna and Dr. Richard Bandler in those days. was lucky enough to be chosen to be one of the assistants on their courses. That certainly upskills you very quickly uh, when you're working with a range of people. And um, I've continued from training into coaching, and um, here I am today, still still evolving, and involved in wanting to do my bit for the planet, and so mm. on. So there you go, long introduction, but that's who, that's who I am. That's who's sitting here.
0: <laughs> that was perfect. I I love that you were very clear in terms of your journey. You've seen all the the points that have been important to you, and 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 the trigger points that have allowed you to be sitting in front of me today. You know the whole story and the whole journey. Now. Something you said just before we, you went into coaching, you used the energy that was given off from someone very important to your son to then take that as your message to say, maybe this isn't the path that I want to go mm-hmm. down. Now, how do people that are listening tap into that intuition where you realize that maybe someone has said something that I know is true, but I've almost been ignoring it? and until they point out that actually my actions are showing now that I'm living my life in a certain way which isn't congruent to what I'm trying to build what would you say in terms of people tapping into the intuition and saying actually am I doing this because I really want to am I doing because I feel I need to and what else what what other way should I or could I be moving
1: Yeah, I think this is, as you said, it's about being very honest with yourself, which is where I was very honest with myself about, okay, I've got caught up in the need to earn money, the corporate life, the holidays, but actually we all have a choice. And I think that's the important thing. Uh, You know, I've heard a lot through my life. Oh, it's all right for you. You know, oh, you're, you're lucky. I mean, I know when I applied for the, for the airlines and I was flying around the world and I had a constant tan and in those days, what I call the really good days of flying. And friends would say, oh, you're so lucky. And I got fed up of hearing this. So I bring them the application form and say, well, you can do it. But then there's the yeah, but. So I think it's about being very honest about what's the reason that you're doing it. Is it because you're comparing yourself to what society measures as as success and that you get caught in that. So is that the big house, the car, the holidays abroad, the fact I've got to get my nails done, my hair done. And when you then look at, but that's not really who I am. So for me, it was about stop comparing myself to other people and look at what's going to make me happy. And when I did give up the corporate life, there are lifestyle changes. Of course there are but I no longer feel that I need to go on holiday because how many people say, well, I've got to, you know, cause I've got to have my two weeks abroad. Actually, I don't need that anymore because my lifestyle is greatly reduced in terms of stress. So be careful if you are pushing it under the table or I will say to people, you often push it under the carpet and try and ignore it because this is what I believe I should be doing. And sometimes it can be because I don't want to upset my parents you know, I've had clients that have done the, I'd really like to change my life. I'm really not happy doing what I'm doing. You know, as an example, I might want to run a B&B, but I've got this, you know, I've got this degree and I don't want to let my parents down because they spent a lot of money putting me through. And therefore, I think that I've got to continue to do this. It's listening, isn't it, to the warning signs that if you're always tired, always stressed, if your body's giving up on you, unfortunately, a lot of people then have to turn to medication and that might be prescribed medication or it's the alcohol, the emotional type eating that you know we, we medicate ourselves against. So sometimes it's having to really be honest with yourself and that can then be, if you're in a relationship, being very honest with your partner as well. Mm. That can be scary. So fear can sometimes stop people from actually doing what they really want to do for a whole range of reasons.
0: And that, like you said, about society's version of success. Because I've fallen down that rabbit hole, um, you know, ten to twelve years ago, and I've been completely open and honest about that. In terms, of I was chasing society's version of success. So you know, the big house, the the, the fancy cars, the holidays, etc. Um, and then when the last financial crisis happened, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, time um, I was managing and running two three businesses, forty five staff, and and everything slowed down, but everything was still coming out just as fast, you know, financially, and went through a really dark time mentally and financially, mm-hmm. and um, came out the other side after a conversation with my wife, who then told me, you know. Your life is um, a a series of choices which you've made. No one's made you make them, you've made them yourself. Mm. Now it's just time to to choose again. And that, Mm. you know, and giving up is not a choice for you. What you're just deciding and knowing that maybe this route that I've taken has served me to a point and now it doesn't. What do I want? And it was rebuilding myself cell by cell, you know, emotionally, spiritually, Mm. um, physically and mentally. To become the version you see in front of you today now i know that journey i knew what it's taken over the last eight to ten years of rebuilding myself and i you know anyone who talks to me about this i say you know it was the best thing to happen to me even though it's the worst thing it's the best thing because it created Mm -hmm. the version you see in front of you today and I learned, I did it the organic way. So like you said, there was no medication. There was no doctor's trips. There was no putting tablets down my I thought I, I chose that if it was going to take that, I'll just take the longer option because I don't want that. It doesn't mm-hmm. serve me. I've never agreed with that. So coming out the other side, I look back and think that was the key pivotal moment of my life. Now, I luckily I was blessed to have a supportive and loving wife and and um I, we just had our first child at that point i have a huge family that helped me immensely and obviously slowing things down it was a case of actually what do you want not what you know i can easily say what you when you someone asks when you i'm sure you get this as well Jill. when you ask someone what do they want and they'll, they'll give you a list of things they don't want Yep. <laughs> no, always yeah. always, always yeah. the coaching that question
1: comes. i'll say what do you, do you want or how do you want to feel and they'll always tell me what they don't want <laughs> yeah. and how they don't want to feel like why are you focusing on what you don't want and that for me is the key We yeah. focus too much on what we don't want yeah. Yeah. rather yeah. than actually chasing what we do want and where do you think that comes from Is that come from
0: um, a fear-based energy in terms of knowing what you don't want because you see that and you know what's wrong, but we're not open enough to think big enough to say, actually, what do I do? What do I want? Either maybe too scary, maybe out of our reach, or we may just not think it's possible for us. We just know what we don't want. How, what, what kind of tips or advice could you give where someone thinks in a more, because I think more now in that way in terms of what do I want, as opposed to what don't I want? But I know it's taken time to build that thought process up. What kind of little things do you think anyone listening can do to try and shift out of their don't want into do want?
1: I think that's, again, about looking and being honest with yourself about the fear. Mm-hmm. It's about worrying about what other people are going to think, what's my family going to think, what are my friends going to think. So actually we shut ourselves down because it's easier to stay moaning, if you like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and believing. And that comes back to beliefs as well mm-hmm. about what you, you believe when you're younger. And beliefs are so strong in people. I mean, core beliefs particularly very strong in people. So, therefore, you will look for the evidence that supports that belief and you ignore evidence that goes against it. Mm-hmm. And often with family and friends, they'll always warn you because they're, they're giving their version of their fear. So a parent can say to you, oh, don't do that because they're worried that you might not have the money. You might not, you know, be able to do X, Y, and Z. So they're trying to prevent the pain. And actually that keeps us stuck rather than going, okay, if I'm really honest about what I do want, what does that involve? And sometimes that honesty is scary. That means, you know, luckily you have a wife that goes with you, but for other people that might mean, ah, my husband's not going to want to pack up and run a small holding. Yeah, he loves the big corporate life, but actually what do I do? And then is that going to have an impact on the family? And does that mean we'll separate? And they start running a whole series of thoughts in their head, which then makes them go, okay, I'm not going to go down there. That's far too scary, rather than communicating. And I think, you know, in a world where communication is so easy now, like you and I doing this at the moment, Mm -hmm. we actually have become very poor communicators with ourselves and with people around us Mm -hmm. so for me it's about looking at okay if you don't want that what's the opposite and that's where i start with my clients what's the opposite and if the big one is if money was no option or you didn't worry what people thought what would you do and it's amazing how that frees people up
0: Mm -hmm. and that whole thought process of other people and what they think Mm -hmm. now I remember when I was initially going through the changes in terms of my life, Mm -hmm. um, because it reached a point of crisis, um, there was no option to continue down the path that I was going. It had to shift and had to change. And it was almost like a back to the wall mentality of shutting down, start listening to different things, start learning about different things, shifting the way I was living my life. And uh, at that point, I didn't care what people thought because I knew there was no option for me. This was the only way. And then, then I realized after looking back is that I'm not that important as in no one really was looking, really, you know, <laughs> you know? And, yeah. and this is the thing. I think we put so much, we believe we're so much bigger than we are. And what we realized and what I've realized over a long time and even starting this was that we can just live our life to the best that we believe is good for us, um, and others do exactly the same for them. Now, if someone's that that bothered about what I'm doing, maybe they're not doing enough in their life. That is so important to look at me and make judgment on what I'm doing. And I've mean, one thing about judgment is I I've always seen and I've always known is that if I walked every day in the shoes of that person. I would be doing exactly the same thing because how they've been raised, all the energies that have gone into them, that's what's given them that decision-making process. And therefore, they're just making that decision based on the knowledge they have. Now, I can't sit on my high chair here and look there and say, I wouldn't do that. You wouldn't because it's not you. You're doing this because this is you, right? And therefore, all you can do, what I, I believe is all you can do is try and help and support someone when they need it. And when they don't, let them get on with it, you know? And, and and I'm so busy working on myself that I almost have very little time to look up and see what other people are doing. If they are, my old answer has always been, because they just believe it's the best thing for them.
1: Absolutely, and I think that's again, where we're comparing and people will say, you know, stop comparing. Well, I'm going to take a little different angle on that because for me, and I'll say to clients, if you're comparing yourself to somebody and it makes you feel good and it makes you want to aspire to be like them, then there's nothing wrong in for me comparing myself to that person because that's about oh actually i'm really interested in that well i'd like to learn a bit more about whatever it is they're doing so for me currently you know that's the gardening i'm very much into my upcycling now you know i've gone willow weaving am i good at it no but actually let me go and find out about it Mm -hmm. and if that's when you're comparing then great but if you compare yourself to somebody that makes you feel bad about yourself then to me that's a really negative emotion. So you're looking at somebody with the big house and thinking, oh, Well, I'm rubbish, I don't have that house. Then to me that's a negative, rather than going, okay, ask different questions. So how did they get that then? And what's life like for them? You know, I'm I'm lucky and if lucky is the word, I work with well known people, I work with celebrities, I keep very quiet about it because they appreciate that. That's how I get those clients because they know I'm not running to the Daily Mail or using them for PR or anything like that. And when you see behind those scenes, how many people say, oh, I want to be famous. Really? Do you want to be everything you do analyzed, you know, blown up in a newspaper or on TV or trolled or people to criticize you? So I agree with you. It's actually about live the life that you want and sometimes people look at their friends around them and think, but you know, they wouldn't like that. They wouldn't be my friends. Well, are they your right friends? And that's where fear stops so many people. I don't know about you. You know, as I get into the things that I'm interested in and enjoy, I meet people who are like, oh, I really like that person. They're very similar to me. So you never be afraid to change what I call your tribe or your friends, yeah. because I believe people come into your life when they need to, and they, they leave or you leave when it's not right, but too many of us hold on to those friends, thinking we've got to stay with them, and yet we've changed dramatically. You'll have changed, won't yeah. you, from the journey you've been on? So some friends that might have been really good friends, you know, when you were in your older life, aren't the same that you would be friends with now.
0: Hundred percent. I, I think it's like even when you have. I think for me personally, every five years i've almost become a different person in terms of my you know my life and my Mm -hmm. thoughts and what i like and what i don't like etc and something quite interesting you said there just then about holding on to friendships now i the way i value friendships now is not time-based it's value-based so in terms of Mm -hmm. how do we create value for each other you know, whether that be conversations, whether that be because we support each other via our business, for example, or whatever energy that is that we help and support each other. Because the way I see it is that I want to be valued as well as I want to give value. So there has to be an equitable exchange of energy right between two people. And the older I get, the more I realize that that's so important to me because <laughs> I, I, you know, time is my most precious, precious, precious resource. Um, because with children, and with businesses, etc. we have very little time that we call our own, where we say, mm. just because I want to do something, I do it. And that's a choice we make, I get that. But I feel that I'm in a productive time of my life, that I want to be of use to people, so I try and do as much as I can, because I know it's not always going to be like this. Now, I we had a school reunion this about 10 years ago, mm-hmm. and people almost talk to you like you're that person still, you know, right. like, like you were that, you know, the, the the college kid that just left school. And I'm like, I don't do those things. anymore. I don't like those things. And I don't enjoy them. This is what I enjoy now. And it's almost like how it's almost like saying that we, someone has doesn't change or they don't change or, or, or they are still that person or they're still like this. You don't know because you've not been with them this whole time, you know, and that to me is so, so important to recognize that within your own people around you and network, you know, family is a little bit different because obviously they grow with you. They see what happens, but friendships for sure it's a choice. And the way I see it is that trying to hold on to something that's not there anymore, I think it's more damaging for both of you than just letting it go. And I agree with you that people come into your life and they'd serve for both of you and then they leave and i see so many people like that and i and i just wish them well i just wish them well on their way you know you know they've helped me during my time and then they moved on and i think being in that state you you're almost more open and your energy is more open to when someone does come in you value it more because you know you don't give it away that easily whereas someone that does leave you don't hold on to and give that energy anymore because you know it doesn't you don't need to you know
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And that's the important thing for me that I've learnt. Like you're saying, you know, I'll come across, uh, we have old Laker Airways reunions or airline reunions. Yes, I was a very different, as I said, I had a good few years of partying, <laughs> to put it politely. Um, although my husband says, you know, when he first met me, he thought my diet was vodka and chocolates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Neither. I mean, I'm not going to deny any of who I was because that's exactly my premise is it's made me who I am today. So yeah. if I hadn't have done that, if I hadn't have made those choices, I wouldn't be who I am today. Mm-hmm. And when clients say to me things like, oh, I've made a really bad choice. And I go, you don't know that. You cannot tell me until you take your very last breath on this planet that you made a bad choice in life. Because you might look at the job, but every choice you make leads you, and this is how I live my life, every choice I make leads me to another choice. Yeah. And I have no idea where that choice is going to take yeah. me. That's- I have no idea where this is going to lead me, but I'm happy to find out. That mm. happened for a reason. Let me find out the reason that that happened. Yeah, you know, I go back when my husband and I were really struggling financially, so we were living in Derbyshire, I had stepchildren, my own son, If somebody had told me then, and the night that my son was born on the Thursday, on the Wednesday night, my husband's a musician, he'd gone off, although I was well overdue, he'd gone off for his band practice. Of course, they come first. Um, And I was watching Jumping Jack Flash with Whoopi Goldberg, uh, who stars in that. Now, if somebody had told me that night, and I can say this because it's it's on YouTube, etc., you will actually meet that person and you will work with her, I would have sat there and gone... Don't be ridiculous. How, I, how is that ever going to happen? I would never have been able to put the links in as to how that would happen. And it's the decisions that I've made in life, you know, that have led me to that, whether that's being, you know, applying to work in corrugated products and the box factory to do my degree to... So some of you'll look at the time and think that's a bad decision. But I always say to clients, when they're struggling to make a decision... Well, what if it's a bad decision? There's no such thing as a bad decision.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If you don't I, like the decision you've made, you just make another one.
0: Yeah, yeah. And all outcomes, there's two outcomes to all decisions, win or learn, right? And that's yeah. what I've I've found, that certain decisions, you have to make that decision to know it's not the outcome that you want, but without making you don't know. And without making it, you'll just st- stay in the same place, thinking, I wish I... Just chose something, just decided. Like I said, a lot of time it's not that important. Just decide something, move with it, and then you'll know. Actually, maybe this or maybe that. I think okay. Something I wanted to ask you to, which is quite interesting, that I've been thinking about, which someone else asked me about, which is imposter syndrome. So someone who's has a a life or a career right now, and they're thinking, okay, maybe. I I I finished, I've, My energy's gone for that, and I want to move into this, which is nothing to do with what they have. Nothing. They don't have any energy in that space, but they just believe that they'll. They want to do that and move into that direction. What kind of help or advice do you think you give them where they feel that? Okay, maybe I may do well. I may not. But I want to give it a go. Just to give it a try and just see what that's about. But there's a little bit of fear creeping in to say actually I've got, I'm in a comfortable position here, I'm in you know, a job that pays well and now I want to venture down my own path. What kind of things would you advise them so that they do step down that path?
1: Well, I look at people and just say, okay, a bit like me, you know, if it didn't work out, leaving corporate life, leaving the big salary and all the benefits, if it didn't work out, I can always apply and go back to it. So I'll always ask them for evidence. When have you ever not been able to find a job? because that's often the fear, isn't it? But what if I can't get back into it? What if I can't find another job? You know, what if, what if? And I think people don't see it that you're gaining more experience in another area. In fact, I was coaching somebody this week, very similar, who wants to move into a slightly different area, going, but I don't have the experience so actually give it a go if you've been offered the job give it a go you will gain the experience which adds more to your cv if that's what i call it a cv of life rather than a job cv and who knows where that will then lead you who knows who you're going to meet via that easy example i took up um upcycling and recycling and gardening uh growing my own veg this was before last year i decided you did some blogs. I was looking at all the Greta stuff about, you know, save the planet, yeah. uh, et cetera. And I thought I'm not the person who goes out and does the big marches and I'll try to live my life a little bit more like that, do my little bit. Cause if we all do our own little bit, it's amazing how that, that adds up. So that's when I did a, you know, started looking at, okay, let me recycle stuff. Let me upcycle stuff. Let me do my, my reorganize the garden. And I got to know people on Instagram who have been great. And through that, you know, they've been on my podcast and I've learned even more and we've made even more connections. And it's amazing how you don't know. I have no idea where this is going to lead me. You know, I've had an idea for a TV program, so I'm pitching that at the moment. It might work, it might not. I might sit there and go, oh, nobody's going to want to know. I've never never pitched for a TV program. What the hell do I know? Well, I'm going to learn. And I think that's the difference. I I did a post literally this morning, I think on Instagram, about my plants. And I showed the two successful ones that I took a cutting from. had no idea what I was doing when I took the cuttings. And I've shown the failure. Well, people will say failure. I see it as a learning experience. Mm -hmm. So I haven't failed. I've just said, okay, it didn't quite work like that. So if you're looking at a job or wanting to change, I would say go for it. There's no reason. You're not stuck. And I think that's where people go, oh, well, what are people going to say? They're going to say, there, told you so, you're a failure. No, I just learned something. It isn't for me. I move on. Mm-hmm. And again, it's that different approach. I have no problem. As i saying, I've done loads of, of different things, yeah. but each has led me to the next. And I see it as constantly evolving. Yeah. I don't want to be stuck as a human being. You know, and I think I
0: have, when, when we get stuck, we, we're not... We're not giving the respect to the human energy that we have, which is the energy of exactly. growth. They need to try and become more than we are. And, and you know, there's times when we will just want to sit and enjoy the fruits of our labor, which is 100% we need to do that as well. But also, you know, thinking outside the box and not shrinking because it, by essentially by, by, by the term of saying you're not growing anymore, you're actually shrinking in it because time's still moving forward. So therefore, everything else is changing apart from you. And all energy is in constant flux as well, isn't it? All the time, there's nothing stands for, nothing around us stays still. So, you know, I think, like I said, we put so much self-importance on some decisions and some choices when they don't need to be. Just try and see what happens and have some fun. And actually laugh at yourself a lot of the time. I do that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I've looked at some of the stupid things I've done. I'm like... What kind of stupidness was that
1: <laughs> and it's really funny because you know some people would say, there i think i i've got a post i think it's on my uh profile post of me hiding in a compost bin when i was cleaning out the compost bins A minute, you know to bring it here and i pop my head up you know and sometimes I'd think how old am i and i just think but i love it and it's amazing how many people comment on those posts going, oh, I love that one of you. Oh, I wish I had the nerve to do that. But actually, that's where it's about not caring. It made me laugh. It made my husband laugh. You know, it made the neighbors over the fence looking over. And then I did the Dalek impression, so I wore it up over me. You know, and it made everybody laugh. And it was just a spontaneous moment in time. Yes. And I think those are the important things that feed your soul. They do. That make you go, this is what it's about. 100%.
0: Hundred percent. And if so this
1: year has shown that, absolutely. I 100%. Think so
0: now, at this junction what I'd like to do is is uplift the, the conversation in terms of do a random ten quick fire question round. Okay. So this is just gonna be ten random questions. <laughs> okay, go. So there's, nothing, there's nothing to do with what we've talked about. There could be, actually, but they're just a random well, I'll just answer. I've just picked out and I just want the first answer that comes off your head. Right.
1: Okay. okay. Then you can analyse me afterwards. If you, ha-
0: if, you can, if you have to think about it, it's fine, but it's so funny because once we've done this already, some of the answers that come up, they go, I don't, I've got no idea what that even means or where that come from, but that's what's come out of my mouth, so let's just go with it, you know? Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm happy to go with the flow, as I say. I don't
0: Perfect. Care. Right. Okay, so let's go. What's the strangest thing you've ever eaten? Snail what is your lifelong dream
1: my lifelong dream i think i'm living my lifelong dream and that's just to do what i want to do and be happy for anything try everything i'm living it
0: if you were stranded on a tropical island what two things would you want with you
1: <laughs> this is a funny first the first thing that came into my head was toilet paper <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's one what's <One> <laughs> it music music okay what advice did you get that was most rewarding keep going if you could teleport where would you go and why
1: if I could teleport where would I go and why Uh, I think that would be above the planet Mm -hmm. so that I would have the literally have the big picture view Perfect. I could hone in wherever I wanted so that's where I would go
0: if you could become invisible for one day where would you go and why or what would you do
1: okay if i could i'd go and listen in on everybody's conversations because i find them fascinating
0: <laughs> the fly on the wall right
1: the fly on the wall absolutely i'd go and yeah i'd be invisible and i'd go and listen to a few people's comments about this podcast between you and i and laugh <laughs>
0: what what is your best childhood memory
1: sitting with my father when he was very ill and he was still smiling and he had his bed downstairs, so and he could always make us laugh and smile. And yeah, obviously he knew that he was coming to the end of his life, so absolutely. Sitting yeah. with my dad.
0: Yeah. Um which is one food you wouldn't want to give up?
1: Ooh, only one. <laughs> what? Um, I wouldn't want to give up. That's got to be I actually love cauliflower because of its variety.
0: Wow. That's sad. Uh, I didn't pick that one coming off.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So did you have chocolate in there or...
0: <laughs> my, my, I'm sure my kids would completely disagree with you there.
1: <laughs> yeah. You can do so much with cauliflower.
0: <laughs> yeah. What is your best feature?
1: Oh, that's, I think that's, again, that probably refers back to um, if we're talking in physical feature, then I think that (laughs) lots of people will disagree with this. I know. And that would be my nose because I have a lump on my nose, which is exactly the same as my father's. And when I had a nose many years ago, I remember the nose and not because I, I had it for health reasons, not for vanity. And I remember him saying, I'm really sorry. We won't be able to get rid of that lump on your nose. And I was like, I quite like the lump on my nose because that's who I am.
0: Yes, perfect. And if you could write a book about your life, what would it be called?
1: Ah, well, I actually have written a book and it's called, um, Bing, Beliefs, what is it called? Now you've got me. Um, I called it, she says off the top of her head.
0: Belief Bing.
1: Beliefs, Bing and Me. Uh, and that was about how I tackled breast cancer so it gives people an insight again that links back to my father the Bing Bing Bing, Bing Crosby from White Christmas so yeah okay. believes Bing and me and that's what it would be called and I still call it that I think
0: there you go so that's the 10 questions that were over thank <laughs> you thank you so much for that it's, it's always quite just a funny way to lighten the mood or, or, <laughs> <on any conversation. laughs> now as we head towards the end of this podcast, there's a couple more questions I'd like to ask you so that the listeners get a little bit of a deeper understanding into you. Yes. Now, we're going to fast forward 100 years into the future where you're at the last moments of your life. Now, you don't have enough energy to speak, but you have enough energy to write down three words. Now, these three words have resonated with you all your life, and you hope by sharing them, they can help people on their journeys. What would these those three words be for you?
1: press pause occasionally.
0: And can you go into that a little bit?
1: Because I think we run around so much, exactly what we have just been talking about, that we never take the time to just stop, think about where we are, where we want to be, what do we want from life, and to reevaluate, because often we're chasing a goal that we think we wanted, or a position, a job, a career, and actually when we stop and reevaluate, the amount of people who go, actually, that's not what I want anymore. But we're so busy rushing that we don't press pause enough mm-hmm. just just to take that time and look at where am I going? What am I doing? How am I treating people? Am I the person that I really wanted to be or have I turned into somebody that I really don't like anymore? Mm-hmm. So for me, that's where I constantly have through my life, as you say, which makes me make different decisions. Mm-hmm. Go, okay, hang on, let me just stop and think about things and i don't think people do that enough
0: and i think that's been the best outcome of covid in terms of the lockdown the first lockdown in march in terms of everyone just stopping right and, yeah. and actually reflecting on i think we were on a hamster wheel that was moving so fast that we didn't mm-hmm. realize we were running that fast and when then suddenly there's a stop because that was the first time i'd actually spent that much time at home when mm-hmm. we've not been on holiday, for example, or friends, people around it, like kids and, and wife, et cetera. And because everything had stopped, there wasn't that thing about FOMO, about fear of missing out on something because you're in whatever. And it really it gave me a huge insight into what do I want for myself now? And even starting this podcast happened during that time. Mm-hmm. Amazing conversations and network that I've just built up just from saying, actually, we're in this position. Let's make the most of it you know and it's just made me see that the next 40 years of my life where do I want that to go and I'm so blessed because of that I know there's been such a negative fallout of COVID and I don't wish that upon anyone but in terms of for me and my life it's probably been one of the best things that's happened so um, I'm grateful for that and I'll always see the best out of a lot of situations
1: absolutely and I think that's exactly as you said that it has made a lot of people reconsider what do they want Mm. um in life and what is important to them Uh, a lot of my clients and some of my friends suddenly realized they didn't have any other interests other than work Mm. or i have to get fit and then suddenly it's like oh i realized i don't have anything i don't know what to do Mm. so and it helped people discover didn't it even things like cooking a lot of people came into the gardening side of things to to realize that when you just press pause Wow. It can make a huge difference. 100%. You Emotionally, mentally, physically, and everybody around you.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. Now this podcast is called Bigger Than The Hustle. And right now you're bigger than the world. So I've connected this microphone up to 7.58 billion people on this planet. They can all hear you. They're all awake. They're all conscious. They're all listening. And there's no language barrier. If I could hand this over to the, for you, to you for the next 30 seconds, what would be your message to the world?
1: My message to the world would be think about the impact that you have people, you know, you have on people around you and who you are. You know, I am not the person that could comment and make the same comment to somebody who's a multimillionaire and somebody who is, you know, on the poverty line. But it's about think about how you can impact the world. And that can be as simple. You don't have to have money. That can be as simple as giving somebody a smile. You can make that person's day feel better. That's about when somebody does something very nice for you, thanking them for it. I think that's really important. And if you are the pebble that is being dropped into the pond, what are the ripples that you want to spread out from you dropping into that pond across the world? Uh, that would be the, what I would want to say to people, yes. is, is look at yourself and your impact on the people around you because you can change that. So many people say, I can't change my life if I'm poverty-stricken. Now, I've been to to India. I was in Mumbai for a few weeks working, and you see poverty really at that level. But the amount of them that could smile, that would you know, be polite, and I just think that's, that's still possible wherever you are, and it can impact hugely. And just being nice to somebody, You know, it was amazing the impact that 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 had on them and their lives. So Mm -hmm. for me, it's about, yeah, be that pebble and think about the ripples that you really want to to spread out Mm -hmm. from who you are around the world. Perfect.
0: Such a beautiful message and I fully, fully agree with it. And like you said, all we can control is our actions and the way we come into the world, right? And then what happens outside of ourselves, you know, it's just how we process it in our minds and trying to be as positive as we can. So at this juncture, Jill, I'd really like to thank you. Thank you for the way you've come onto this podcast. Thank you for the way you've shared. Thank you for your authenticity. Thank you for your wisdom and your light. And I know that just by having this conversation, there's so many more conversations I'd like to have with you. And there's so many more times I know that we're going to share sometime that we can, you know, maybe help each other on our journeys. So thank you so much. Just before we go is there anything else you'd like to add?
1: I think it's just that whatever life throws at you, know that there's somebody out there that can help you and that you can get through it. Obviously, you know, part of my journey which I <laughs> so insignificant I didn't add it was having gone through cancer, breast cancer myself. And it's about knowing, stay with your own beliefs and be who you really really want to be. I think that's that's it. <coughs> Thank you you for having me. Look, we're both in red, as we said earlier.
0: (laughs) (laughs) universe spoke.
1: Absolutely.
0: (laughs) So I'm going to be hooking up Jill's details on the show notes. If there's anyone who wants to reach out to her, if they want to ask her anything, I'm sure she's got so much wisdom that she can still share with you. So I'm sure she'll be happy for you to reach out and say hello. If anything else, or just ask anything that you may help you, and if she can help you, she will. And if not, then she'll point you in someone's direction that Absolutely. may be able to support you. As well. Yeah, perfect. Thank so, you. I was Bobby Patel. I'm your host of Big Than the helpful podcast. And right now, I just like to leave you with a few leaving thoughts. Big energy leads to big thoughts. Big thoughts lead to big ideas. Big ideas lead to big actions, and big actions lead to a big life to so keep thinking big. Until next week, goodbye!